Hello and welcome to Automators, the automation podcast where we talk about grabbing your technology and getting it to do your bidding. I am Rosemary Orchard and joined by my pal and co-host as always, David Sparks. Hey David, how are you? Hey Rosemary, how are you today? I am, I'm doing great. I'm just doing awesome. Yeah, I'm excited. You know, like new year, new start. And, uh, you know, I've been going through trying to do a sort of inventory of all of the automation stuff that I'm currently doing and how it's working. And uh, yeah, we've got a great topic lined up for today. Yeah, you know, before we get started, a couple announcements. Uh, uh, today on Automators Max, which is the extended ad-free version of the show, Rose and I are going to be talking about mouse struggles. I have two mice on my desk right now. I've been using terminal commands. There's a whole there's a whole thing I got to talk to you about. I think Rose bought something, so now she's going to want yeah, me to could, buy could something. Could you say it's a mouse trap? Yeah, you could. Is it you, a mess? you really could. Oh. You, you could. Well, at least at least we won't be too cheesy. It's a little oh my gosh, oh my gosh, Rose. Okay, we got to stop that. Um, the other thing <laughs> is, I just released a new field guide, the productivity field guide. It is the most unautomator friendly field guide I've ever released. <laughs> it's about uh, my productivity system. Um, years ago, I got real serious about trying to figure out how to do what's important to me, and I combined um, kind of the latest ideas about productivity along with kind of my ancient history studies. So I have a Aristotelian Hellenistic based modern productivity system that I've been using for years and it involves Greek terms and it's all, it's, it's actually quite useful and I've got really good feedback from people that now they've released it. But if you have any interest in that, go check it out at um, learn.maxsparky.com. If you use the, um, the code PFG, for productivity field guide launch all a one word pfg launch you get 10 percent off for a short time i won't go into it in any greater detail on the automators podcast but it's a big deal to me and uh, i'd appreciate it if you checked it out awesome it's the beginning of 2024 and we cover a lot of different automation platforms on this show and ways to automate your stuff we thought it would be fun to do kind of an audit and just kind of take stock of the state of various automation platforms as we head into the new year. Yeah. I mean, it's one of those things where as you're wrapping up the the end of uh, one year and you go into the beginning of another, it's you know, always a good time to sort of review things and just have a look at what's working and what's not working. And for us as automators, we decided that we weren't just going to look at our personal systems. We were just going to go, hey, like big picture, let's, let's, you know, expand this and look at this on a much wider level, because it's really exciting to see all of the automation things that have been happening over the last year and, you know, a little bit of what's to come over the next year. Yeah. And uh, there's a bunch of different software platforms. I think overall we're in pretty good shape, but at the same time, mm-hmm. we have discussion points. So I think let's just get started with the Mac. Yeah, because, I mean, it's one of those things where you, you would think that the Mac doesn't really have anywhere to go, right? The Mac is done, basically. It's It's been, you know, and when I say done, I don't mean like that's, you know, it's it's finished, it doesn't exist anymore. I mean, like, it's, it's basically finished in the sense that you don't really need to add a lot to it. Um, but over the last, you know, year, we've seen, you know, at Hazel 5, there's been like 78,000 new versions of drafts because Greg Pierce is just an animal. I mean, he says he's a tortoise, but that man is definitely hair because he's just constantly producing new releases. Um, And, uh, you know, there's been, um, you know, new apps coming out with AppleScript support. Uh, Some apps have just increased their support. Lots of new apps have shortcut support. And, you know, 
there's there's just a whole bunch of you know new stuff um, that's come out, and it's really exciting to see all of those new features. Yeah, so so let's get a little. Uh, let's just break it down. Um, let's start with Apple Script. Mm. The I think the news about Apple Script is that it's still here. I, I think that yeah. For a while, people were predicting the untimely end of Apple Script, saying, you know, they're going to move on. You know, Apple Silicon. You know, sixty-four bit. They had. There's been all these reasons why Apple Script was going to get yanked out of Mac OS, and. I have never believed it. I will be shocked if Apple Script disappears for a couple of reasons. The first is, I think it's so firmly embedded that it would be too much work to try to remove it. Like, yeah. I think that, you know, why spend the money? It's not breaking anything. It's just something out there that a small percentage of users use. And the other point would be that even though it's a small percentage, it's an important percentage. Like, one of the most important companies that relies on Apple Script is Apple. You know, I yeah. mean... A lot of the stuff they use in the back end to keep all the Macs running at Cupertino use Apple Script. So why on earth would they pull that out? So I just think that Apple Script is healthy and still here. We are not seeing a lot of improvements in terms of, of usage. No, we're not seeing necessarily a huge amount of improvement in terms of usage um, or you know increase necessarily. But at the same time, I'm not seeing apps just being like, yeah, by the way, we just like we just removed it like we we just didn't really think it was worth it um because the apple script apple script system is so firmly embedded you know the apple events are there and they work you know omnifocus uh, omnigroup group with omnifocus 4 they didn't drop apple script support i think it would have been considerably more work for them to drop apple script support than it would be to continue it and maintain it so you know it's still there and it's it's still being added to new applications or at least new versions of applications but it's very firmly something that i am still using on a regular basis because it makes my life easier well i mean a lot of times it's the best tool for the job when you're yeah. trying to like make two apps share data on a mac i still find uses for it and in fact one of the things, and we're going to talk about AI later, but Apple Script has never been so easy to write because AI is doing a decent job of making the first draft of it for you. So if you're uh, trying to come up with something new and you can't find an example on the web and you describe it to ChatGPT, it, it will put something that if it doesn't solve the problem, it gets you started. Yeah. And, you know, that that's always been the beauty of Apple Script that, you know, it doesn't necessarily look like a regular programming language. It's a lot friendlier. Um, but I find it it is just one of those things that, you know, I'll reach for. I use iTerm as my terminal on the Mac um, and it has Apple Script support. Now, it does have its own native Python support um, and so on, um, which is, you know, much more powerful um, and things like that. But it took me about five minutes to write an Apple script script that will open up um, a new uh, iTerm window with five different profiles. Um, well, five different um, panes in it with a couple of different profiles connecting to different servers, running different scripts, stuff like that, which is what I use every single morning for work. And that only took me a couple of minutes. I'm sure I can figure out how to do it using their native Python scripting, but why would I when the Apple script just works? Um, so yeah, it's, you know, one of those things. Also, fun fact, by the way, uh, I recently, uh, because I, I like to live my life on the edge, I run the beta version of iTerm. So I was running the beta version of iTerm and I ran my script one day and it crashed. It crashed iTerm and I was like, whoa, that's weird. And then I tried doing the steps manually. They also crashed. So I reported it as a bug and it's been fixed. But like, you know, this is this is the beauty of AppleScript, right? It's using, you know, native 
parts of the application and just what the application would do by itself. It's not, uh, you know, a, an extra layer over the top where that's the thing that's going to be broken. In some cases, it could be the bit that's broken, but usually it's not going to be the Apple script. It's going to be the underlying thing if there's a problem, which is just one of the great things about it. Yeah, and one of the things I love about AppleScript is when a developer like Moom or some of the display apps will write like a one-line AppleScript support where, you know, there's some feature they want to add that's not really easy or convenient, but by adding a, a simple AppleScript support, that it gives users a little bit more power without a lot of investment. And so that stuff continues. I don't think Apple is going to continue to like try and push the, the, the ball forward on Apple script support. I mean, when Sal was there, like it got added to Swift, um, not Swift, it got added to the Xcode uh, years ago. Yeah. And I just don't know that it has an advocate like Sal was there now to do stuff like that. Um, mm. So I, I don't see it getting a bunch of new support, but I don't think it's going away. And uh, when people say, well, should I learn Apple script? I'm like, yeah, you should. But honestly, I think the best way to learn AppleScript now is just to cobble together what you need when you need it. Yeah. You don't have to become an expert at it. You just have to know where to look to find answers when you need them. And it still remains a very powerful automation tool. Yes. And I think that's that's the thing with all of these things. You know, you can absolutely sit down and learn to become a guru um, for any of these tools or programming languages or whatever it is. Um, but with all of these things, you know, the the real, you know, automation hack as it is, is just to solve the problem that you've got and figure out more stuff as you go. Yes, by all means, if you've got, you know, an hour of free time, like sitting down reading the Keyboard Maestro manual um, or scanning the Hazel forums or something like that, that could be a really good use of your time and you could learn how to do something that you thought was impossible or it could be just something that sparks an idea later down the line. But as it is, you know, I think that the... It, it really is just one of those things with automation now, especially, um, and especially on the Mac where so many people have already solved it, that you can just, you know, copy and paste together four different bits of automations from other people. And it's not necessarily going to be perfect. It might be a little bit, you know, like it's got duct tape around the edges instead of a nice smooth polish. But if it works, that's fine because you can always come back and polish it later. And that's kind of the fun bit. You know, once once you've got something that works then you're over that hump of dissatisfaction of, oh, why isn't this working? Like, can't I just make this thing happen? And then bam, suddenly, you know, you've got emails that are being automatically deleted based on scripts that are running at particular times and the fact that that email is read and was received over 24 hours ago and stuff like that or whatever it is that makes you happy. Either way, long live AppleScript. Let's move on to Keyboard Maestro. Uh, Keyboard Maestro had a big year last year with the release of version 11. And we did a whole show on it. Uh, but it also, I think, uh, I think the the outlook for that is even more rosy, right? Because Keyboard Maestro mm. is is an active development. Uh, Peter seems to always be finding new things to add to it, and the uh, I continue to hear from people that get pick up the Keyboard Maestro field guide for to solve like one little problem, and then suddenly they're using Keyboard Maestro for everything, and it just thrills me to hear that. Yes. Yeah. I, I keep seeing people as well. Uh, the Relay FM uh, Discord community, uh, as a side note, folks, if you are a Relay FM um, you know, member of the Automators uh, Max podcast, for example, or one of the others, it's okay. Um, there, 
they there's a whole bunch of really great nerds there. And every so often I'll just see somebody, you know, posting in tech or systems and themes going, hey, you know, like this is something that I've put together and I started with Keyboard Maestro and look how amazing this is. And every yeah. time I see it, it just gives me that sense of satisfaction of like, this is a really powerful nerdy tool. And look at that. People are just nailing it. It's it's so good. Yeah. And it's much more accessible than Apple Script because it's it's, you know, block style automation. You just drag and drop blocks, although it's the most complex version of block style automation, but it's yeah. also one of the most powerful because of that. So um, Keeper Maestro is doing great. Uh, the, one of the things that I, the, the big trends that I see with these apps now is interoperability. And I feel mm-hmm. like that really got a shot in the arm with shortcuts for Mac, but just in general, it feels to me like more than ever, the developers of these various apps have kind of taken an open arms approach to other automation yeah. tools. And Keyboard Maestro is kind of the poster child of that. In Keyboard Maestro, you can run shortcuts or, I mean, you can do virtually anything with Keyboard Maestro yeah. and other automation tools. Yes. Yeah, exactly. And I just think it's one of those things as well where it's so nice to see, you know, apps, um, you know, yes, uh, I'm sure the developers are competitive as well, but also, You'll just see, you know, like one developer reaching out to another going, hey, like uh, this thing that you've just done is really cool. Um, Or, hey, that's amazing. I've just added a thing that means that now that that can be run from here or something. And the way that everything does just work together and have ways to work together. This is one of the reasons, as a side note, by the way, why I really love Bunch, because every time I go on the Bunch uh, documentation site, um, it I, I I stumbled across a new way of automating something that I don't necessarily end up using in Bunch, but because you know Brett is so open to you should be using all the great tools and you know whatever tool works best for you is the tool that you should have. Um, it means that I'm just constantly finding things like that's where I got the Apple Script to run Moom stuff. Um, and you know then I come up with ideas for oh wait, but I could open a draft and have it tagged with this automatically because I'm running this and and so on. And I just I love that interaction that we have within the automation community, um, especially on Mac and iOS. You know the the web automation community is out there and it exists and you know they're they're friendly fairly friendly folks. But I really feel like especially the indie dev community on Mac OS and iOS they are just such awesome lovely nerds. It's great. Yeah, so what is the recent big additions to Bunch and, and where is it going, uh, in your opinion? Oh, uh, so um, I'm not sure exactly what big um, additions there have been recently. Um, it's one of those things where I'm just constantly, you know, finding um, cool little new things in there that I didn't know existed. And that doesn't mean to say that, you know, they they weren't there for a while. Um, but yeah, I've been... Uh, toying with uh integrating bunch and marked recently um that's for sure um and uh yeah i am on the bunch beta and i know brett was doing a bunch of work over the uh over the holidays recently uh you know updating some of the uh, requests that people had of like i'm not sure how to do this what what should i be doing um and so on so yeah i will have to uh double check exactly what it is that is been happening with bunch the most recently, but uh, I know that I did just install a beta update right before the podcast, so I should probably actually read the notes as soon as we're done, and then I can find, yeah. tell folks. But uh, oh, I, I I've just found them. He's added support for Arc Browser, and uh, yeah, there's there's been some other stuff as well. Um, you know, some some little fixes and so on. So yeah, there's a proper changelog, so I can put a link to that in the show notes for folks if people are interested. So Bunch is, for people who don't know, it's uh, made by uh, our favorite nerd, Brett Terpstra. 
it's like a plain text kind of setup app where you can open apps and websites and close apps and do a whole bunch more. I'm not really doing it justice. And this one has been a white whale for me. I always like chase it, but never quite land it. And the problem is that I've got those setups all built very with very uh, sickening detail in Keyboard Maestro. So it's like I've already got the solution for this stuff. But, mm-hmm. uh, you know, and normally I would tell people, well, if you've got a solution that works, don't don't bother with anything else. You're good. But I uh, I make a show called The Automators, and we are planning to do a show this year on mm-hmm. on setup. So I need to get familiar with a bunch. I, I think this is, like, in the next few months, I'm going to take, like, a week and just really dive deep and try and build everything in bunch for my setups because I'm looking forward to recording that show, and I, I think I need to be more familiar with it. Yeah. Yeah. Like Brett's just been doing loads of little things like adding. So for ages, you could run shortcuts using like just command line scripting, which, you know, made perfect sense because it ha- you can just run a command line script inside of a bunch very easily. And then Brett added like direct shortcut support. And now there's the ability to add input um, and accept output from shortcuts. And even like new lines are supported in shortcut inputs and so on, which as you've got, you know, the ability to have pop ups. Um, and so on, like asking you like, you know, yes or no, or one of these three things and so on can be really useful. And, uh, yeah, there's also Chrome profiles, which I don't use Chrome, but I like the idea of using different Chrome profiles and don't get me wrong. I love Safari, but the fact that it's really difficult to automate Safari, which is quite sad. Like there's some bits of Safari that are super easy to automate, which I love. And then other bits of Safari are just so difficult to automate like you know the new stuff like um you know targeting the the profiles and and the tab groups and so on like you can do some of it with shortcuts but not all of it um that that's something that i i would really like to see an improvement for so there you go apple have some homework safari team um you know your webkit stuff's great uh just more shortcuts more, more shortcuts and automation give give everyone some apple script support and apple events and then everybody will just go nuts over it yeah yeah it's, it's a shame we didn't get that on mobile hazel uh, that's another automation tool. It's file automation. That's at least the way I view it as like the mm. the king of the hill for file-based automation. It does everything. Uh, they're currently shipping version 5. It does work with the other apps, though. Like one of the things you can do if a file gets triggered by Hazel is run a shortcut or, you know, trigger an Apple script, that, which gives you basically the ability to do anything. And um, that app just continues to rock. They made it an independent app with version five. It used mm. to be in the system preferences. I think that kind of the the freedom of Hazel has been been well. It seems like it's been more stable for me since they yeah. they made that move. Yeah, I mean, I I never felt that it was unstable before. But I do feel like it is just, you know, it's it's nice now that it's its own application. Things have gone away, especially with the uh, system settings redesign from system preferences. Like the th- things have gone away from just being installed in system settings to to exist as a as a thing there. Um, and I feel like this is a lot more friendly for folks who are not used to like this is just a thing in your system settings now. There you go. That's that's where it lives. Um, and yeah, it's it's got detachable editors, which is something that I really, really love because a number of times I've been like, well, I have this thing and I basically want to copy it, but I don't actually want to just duplicate it because I want to step through and evaluate every line by line, you know, and go through it. So detachable editors on that 
honestly, just it seems really like silly um, that I'm so excited about having multiple windows. But that's something you can do now that you couldn't do before because it's it's not stuck in your system settings. So yeah, it's uh, it's really great. Um, I'm 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 loving it. Guess guess what? I'm a nerd. Uh, nobody's surprised there. I I hear nobody fainting or gasping with shock. But uh, yeah, there's just some very nice things there. And I think if we're going to talk about Hazel, we should mention uh, briefly at least DevonThink, which is a database app. But their internal automation uh, is right there with Hazel in terms of file automation. It's super powerful. And uh, if you are working with DevonThink, it was another good year. I mean, they they made a bunch of advancements. They released a bunch of updates. Their mobile version is getting better. And you really do have have an abundance of riches with file automation now between Hazel and DevonThink. I love uh, using DevonThink for things. And honestly, I use Hazel and and DevonThink because I'll use Hazel to like grab stuff and rename it and shove it in a folder, which then DevonThink's like going, ooh, new files for me? Thank you. Um, yeah. And then it, it just slurps it up and then it runs its own magic o- over those things, which I've set up and absolutely love it you know like if i'm looking for you know like a payslip or a financial document or something like it's in dev and think if i'm looking for a manual it's in dev and think i don't even need to remember like exactly what the name of the thing is because i've just got so good at shoving like all of the extra words that i might need in there in in a comments field or other you know tailored fields it's it's fabulous this episode of automators is brought to you by linkedin jobs At the start of the new year, every small business owner is asking themselves the same question. What's the one move I can make that'll take my business to the next level in 2024? LinkedIn Jobs knows that your success all depends on the team you surround yourself with. That's why LinkedIn Jobs has created the tools to help you find the right professionals for your team faster and for free. LinkedIn isn't just another job board. It's a vast network of more than a billion professionals, which makes it the best place to hire. Hiring is easy when you have that many quality candidates. So easy, in fact, that 86% of small businesses get a qualified candidate within 24 hours. When I was last looking for a job, one of the first things I did was update my LinkedIn profile. And even though I'm thrilled with where I work, the fact that I get people contacting me on a regular basis means that I know that LinkedIn works for helping people find a great job, because that's how I found my job. LinkedIn also knows that small businesses are wearing so many hats and might not have the time or resources to hire. So they do you a favor by making the process intuitive, quick, and easy. That's why small businesses rate LinkedIn jobs number one in delivering quality hires versus leading competitors. Post your job for free at linkedin.com slash automators. That's linkedin.com slash automators to post your job for free. Terms and conditions apply. Okay, so staying on the Mac, let's talk a bit about text automation and where that stands drafts is still the king yeah uh like uh, there is not a day that doesn't go by where i don't create like 20 or 30 drafts in drafts um and um like i i don't even know how i do it or why i do it like that you know like it it just it just happens um but it's it's great and drafts has just been adding a whole bunch of stuff um as well they did a little 2023 year in review um, where they've got, you know, some of the, the big features from versions 36 to 42. Yes, life, the universe, and everything. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, there's there's all sorts of stuff in there, like nested tags. Like, people have been asking for that for, for a while. Um, and, um, you know, now nested tags are, are something that were added in, in uh, version 40. There was a whole Airtable integration, which 
David, you and I really need to talk about that at some point because I am really, really loving that. That's so good. Um, There's OpenAI, ChatGPT integration, MailDrop, which is uh, sort of an add-on application for Mac uh, for drafts. Um, Now, like, it supports sending uh, emails to your drafts library because they added MailDrop as a feature. There's just so much good stuff there. And, you know, uh, again, it's, it's, it's an app where I'm constantly finding new features. I swear I read all the release notes um, and everything. And every time I read the release notes, I'm like, oh, yeah, like hiding actions from search. Yes, I need this because there are some actions that I, I basically only want in like certain views and I never want to search for them. Um, and then I, 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 I just forget about them, I guess. And uh, yeah, uh, then, then I come back and discover that there's another new feature that I didn't know about because I kind of forgot about it. Um, while we're talking about drafts, I should probably also mention Tally, uh, which is Greg Pierce's other app, uh, or one of his other apps. Um, and it's just for, it's, it's basically for tallying things. So logging, you know, this number of things happened, uh, or keeping score or, or, or similar. And, uh, that, that's had a whole bunch of updates, uh, at version five. And I, I'm really loving that app as well. Well, I mean, on the subject of drafts and text, I, I feel like, it's so it's kind of a relief just knowing anytime I want to write, I open the drafts app and I start typing yeah. or talking and, and it really does the, the app, you know, if you're into, into automation, you're listening to the show, the egg gives you an easy exit off ramp with your text. Like no matter what you want to do with it, you push a button and it does it for you. And there's really nothing like that. Another one that's worth mentioned to me is Grammarly. You know, it just, it's slowly dawned on me that this is a text tool that I use many times a day. You know, I pay for a subscription to Grammarly and over the last year, they've done a better job with their Safari plugin. So now you don't have to necessarily grab your Grammarly text and go to their website to get the full, you know, edit on it that you can do it in Mm -hmm. most uh, web text editors. And I just, you know, you know, this is to me one of the best examples of AI in motion it's just gotten much better at its recommendations over the last few years. And I think that's AI based and it makes your writing better. It's just, I I think any job you have where you write, you should have a tool like this. Mm. Yeah. And I I think that's one of the things, you know, there, there are alternatives out there to Grammarly. Um, I do also use Grammarly just, you know, it's great for a whole bunch of um, things. And I, I, I do particularly like the fact that they've added specific things like tone detection um, and paraphrasing tools and things like that. So if I've got some text that like, I know this is what I need to say, but it doesn't sound right. I can just throw it in the paraphrasing tool and, and go from there. Um, and, you know, they're adding things like brand tones and stuff like that. And they, they, they've got a whole section on their website about responsible AI use and so on. Um, but yeah, for, for me, uh, it, it is just one of those, uh, things where I, you know, I, I end up reaching for it, um, you know, more often than not. Um, and I, I have to say it, it does work pretty well for me with, you know, the things that I need it for. I don't use it, you know, there's a Grammarly keyboard for iOS. I'm not using that as my daily driver keyboard, but if I write a longer bit of text, um, then it, it is something that I'll switch to and just be like, cool. Like where did iOS swap two words? for me that now no longer makes sense that I can't see because I'm now blind to this text because I've been staring at it for three hours um, and so on. So yeah, that's it's great for that. There's a challenge for Grammarly because as AI becomes more prevalent, you know, engines like ChatGPT can do grammar check for you. You can just ask it and it will do it for mm-hmm. you. And so 
so the question is, why do I pay for a grammar checker like Grammarly when I could get a, a good AI engine? And that would just be one of many things it does. But what Grammarly does is they try to go to the next level with it. Like you said, tone detection, just they give you a much better implementation. And I think, I do think like the web Im- implementation this year got really noticeably better. So it, it just, it's a convenience and probably more powerful grammar checker. And that's why I pay for it. But, but you know, the, the, it, maybe in a couple of years, we will be in a point where like one AI does all of this for us and we don't need the separate services. But at least as we sit here right now, I think Grammarly is kind of killing it if you're willing to pay for it. Yeah. Yeah. And honestly, like, you know, the free version is pretty great as well. I have to say, you know, it's, you know, you should, if, if, if you do a lot of text writing, it's, it's worth trying it out for things like that. Um, just to, you know, give it, give it a go and, and see, you know, see what you like and what you don't like about it. And you can always, you know, decide that actually, no, I don't like that. Uh, and I will continue to do things the way I did before, but I always think that trying these things is such a good way to, you know, encourage yourself to find new automation solutions for problems. And yes, using something like Grammarly is an automation solution because otherwise you'd have to sit there and proofread it for the 56th time and then be really annoyed that after you hit send and after your, uh, delayed send window is up, that's when you spot that you you know, made a grammar mistake or something, or there's a really obvious typo where you called your boss babe um, or something like that, which, you know, uh, if you work in the right environment, you can play that off as a joke. Other environments, that might be a bit tricky. Um, so yeah, it's, you know, it's it's nice to experiment with these things to give you ideas at least. And you're trying out a new text automation app, right? Yeah. So I'm trying out a great little app called Snippety. Um, and, uh, it's available on the Mac app store. It's also available on iOS where, um, it functions as a keyboard, which has folders for all of your snippets and so on in. Um, and I just really like this. So it's got customizable placeholders. It's got syntax highlighting. If you like code snippets, because this is one of the things that I was struggling with. I need code snippets for things. Um, but I also need to be able to like see what it is that I'm like doing in when I when I'm editing this. Um, it's got scripting support, of course. Um, and uh yeah, there there's just a whole bunch of uh stuff uh going on there. So it's 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 you know kind of like how do I put this? Um because I, I do still use text expander. So I can't say it's like if text expander and dash had a baby, but it kind of is in some ways. Um because yeah it's it's got so many nice little things it's got fuzzy search and stuff um yeah i i'm just loving this um i it's really useful for all sorts of things um i've got little snippets of code that i throw in there i've got bigger snippets of code that i throw in there i've got email templates that are in there um and uh meeting templates all sorts um and yeah the script support is really nice too so definitely worth considering if you are uh, a nerd and want to try some really cool text expansion. Um, and it, it has the concept of groups, by the way, as well. So you can group your snippets together. It's great. How is the mobile implementation? Uh, I find it's really good. So um, when, like, so I say it's really good, um, but what I use it for is basically I'll switch to the keyboard, I'll insert a snippet, and then I, 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 I just change back to my regular keyboard and, and type whatever it is I need to type. I'm keeping it really, really simple on iOS. I, I didn't want to make it too complicated. Um, but um, yeah, it works. Like It's really difficult to fault it for just being a very simple, I switch to the keyboard, I select the block of text, I insert the block of text, and I am done. 
type thing. It does also have um, uh, an extension so that you can create snippets from other apps and stuff like that as well, which again could be very handy. Um, and uh, yeah, it it. But I I I just try and keep it very simple on iOS. Um, I I've tried my my biggest problem with third party keyboards is like the autocorrect never quite works the same way i find like the touch targets just aren't quite forgiving enough and things like that so i don't end up liking using any third party um on screen keyboards long term especially on my iphone but switching to something and being like dump here's a block of text next that works really well for me so yeah that's that's what i'm doing with snippety on ios and it's working and while we're mentioning text expansion, you said text expander. That's another app that's just, it's still, you know, it's just remarkable how big it's gotten over the years and, uh, you know, multi-platform. A lot of companies are using it. I, I spoke with someone at a Max Sparky event who they're using it at a company with a thousand people. And it's like, now it can do that. And I remember when it was a small app, but it, it really does mm-hmm. a lot now. And it's, it's, and that's, that's good news for automation. All right, we we have been uh, ignoring the big app, the big automation app from Apple uh, throughout this segment, but it's time to talk about shortcuts on the Mac. It's been a few years. I I would say it had a bit of a rough launch, you know, but um, it got better quickly. Uh, And last year was, I think, the first year where it was like solid the full year. Mm -hmm. Where are we with shortcuts on the Mac and uh, where do you see it going? Well, I just want to start with uh, in iOS 16, macOS 13, and watchOS 9, um, uh, the Shortcuts team uh, did something really cool. They did a what's new in Shortcuts for iOS 16, iPadOS 16, macOS 13, watchOS 9. And yeah. every single update, there would be like a new post there that would, or an, uh, an, uh, a prefix to the page. Um, that would be a better way of putting it, with being like, okay, here's what's new, here's what's updated, and so on and so forth. Um, because, you know, obviously while we're in betas, you know, nothing's fixed for sure. So, you know, they don't, they don't post about it then. Um, so there are still, you know, plenty of people going around the internet going and collecting uh, a list, um, of, uh, things. Um, but, um, you know, the fact that then when it releases, there is an actual official list of here's what's new, here's what's changed, here's what's fixed and so on is so good. And they've done it again with iOS 17 and I love it. It, it works. Um, it, it makes my life easier. Like the combined images action now correctly aligns images when output on macOS. Like this is one of those things where if you if you get into the habit of being like, oh, this thing doesn't work, so I'm not going to use it, then you won't ever know that it's fixed um, unless something tells you. So the fact that this is here um, and and tells you that things are fixed or things are improving um, and and so on. Um, you know, show passwords can navigate to system settings on macOS and stuff like that. Like they're adding really deep core integrations. And not only are they adding deep core integrations, like they're making sure that we know about it um, through more than just a keynote. And that to me really is like, this is a proper grown up app now because an app with release notes, that makes my nerd heart sing. But that is also something that then I can point people to it and be like, this is when that was added. See, it's right there. Um, and, and then, you know, I, 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 I have a way to tell people that this thing is here and that they, they can see it. Um, and if they aren't seeing it, then, you know, it tells them what version they need to update to so that they know. Um, and that, that to me is just so great. Um, so I'm going to tell the shortcuts team that they did a 10 out of 10 job just by adding that, um, like, because that makes it so much more adult 
as far as applications and automation systems go. And don't you wish Apple did that like across the board? Oh, yeah. Yeah. No, trust me. I'm filing feedback for everything. Like I'm filing feedback for pages, Keynote, Numbers, Mail, Safari, you name it. Every single native macOS application, Calendar. Um, you know, I, I have filed the same feedback. I'm really sorry to all the people that have to process the radars, uh, especially I know the IRC team like has like one like centralized thing. Um, and so I'm really sorry to the iWork team for sending you three, but I also, I want this, like, I want one of these for everything. I want separate ones for numbers and pages and keynote and so on. And I know if I go to the app store and I click on the release notes for, for numbers, pages and keynote specifically, they do a great job with their, their update notes and so on. That's, you know, it's, it's really nice seeing what's there, but at the same time, you know, there's only so much space there and it's difficult to link people to those. It'd be, it's really nice to just have like this proper, you know, official change log. Um, you know, it's not code nerd level. Uh, I would love way more detail, but I know I'm not going to get it. And that's okay. Because now, you know, if, if, you, if you send me a message and you're like, hey, like I was having this weird issue with like menus and like lists where my phone kept going to sleep. Like, do you know anything about that? I can be like, yeah, that was fixed in 17.2, 14.2 and 10.2 uh, iOS, macOS and watchOS specifically. Um, you know, like it, it's just nice that you know, that's right there. Um, so yeah, this is really good. And in fairness, I think the iWork team does a good job of sharing new oh, yeah. features, but they oh, don't, they do. They do a great job. But they don't do as much of, of saying, well, we this is a problem that we solved, you know. But and then also I guess in, in the flip side of that, they don't have as many problems as shortcuts does because shortcuts is is still new and still still has some growing pains. I think I think some of that is, you know, down to the fact that the shortcuts team aren't can't and shouldn't be doing everything um you know yeah. like it's down to the safari team to add safari support it's down to the notes team to add notes support it's down to the mail team to add mail support that explains why there's very little mail support the mail team i i guess maybe they're they're taking a holiday i don't know it feels like mail doesn't ever change all that much on mac os which isn't a complaint because it works but i'd love some really cool shortcut support on mac os for it so yeah but you know it, it's it's nice seeing what has changed and you know, what's got better and all of those things. Uh, I will say something that still makes me sad is that the lack of parity with mobile app actions mm. and some of them make sense because the platform is different, but some of them don't like, you know, setting the home pod. And it's like, I mean, there's a, we've talked about this on the show over the years, but uh, it seems like some things end up on the iPhone that are quite useful that just don't make it to the Mac and, you know, I just don't understand, you know, as the operating systems get closer and closer, and I'm sure there's a technical reason. I mean, it's not like someone just maliciously said, no, let's not give it to them on the Mac. I feel like there's probably some something that they need to overcome when they haven't got to it yet. But, but I would like to see more emphasis, however you do it, to, to make sure that you know, these cool features show up everywhere. Cause I get, I still, you know, I, I make these field guides about shortcuts and I get these emails from people saying, well, it doesn't work for me. This thing doesn't work for me. And it, often it turns out that, you know, I taught how to do it on the iPhone, but on the Mac, the action isn't there. So you have to write back and say, no, it's not you. It's just that Apple hasn't enabled that on the, on the Mac yet. And it's, it's really frustrating uh, to have to tell people that. And, and, I, and, and it makes people like leery of shortcuts and automation. They're like, oh, so... Yeah. What you're saying is that it will randomly not work sometimes on the other platform. So why should I bother? 
Yeah. Yeah. That 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 for me is really like the, the worst thing. And I think this is one area that they could still significantly improve. Like if I build a shortcut on my iPhone um, or my iPad um, or actually no, if I build it on my iPhone and then I open it on my iPad, it should work. If I build a shortcut on my iPhone or my iPad and open it on my Mac, it should work. Um, and I understand my Mac and my iPad cannot vibrate. My Mac does not have cellular capability, but my iPad may and my iPhone does. But there, there are definitely ways that they could make this better where it's not that like you try and run your shortcut and it just doesn't work. Um, and uh, you know, I'm sure the shortcuts team uh, want to fix this and so on. And I'm sure that there's a whole bunch of, you know, massive list of things that they have to do um, with all of the things. Um, but as it is, you know, I, I feel like that's that's the one big area that they still have to improve as well, uh, along with, you know, not necessarily having parity between, um, you know, the platforms. And I think a lot of that is down to, um, you know, the, the, uh, the apps within Apple, like, you know, the Safari team don't necessarily add the same things on macOS that they do on iOS. Um, the mail team, just as I mentioned before, kind of seems to be on a holiday and not quite sure what's happening there. Um, the calendar team don't necessarily do the same things either. Um, and, you know, reminders works great, notes works great and so on. But, you know, it's not everything is there, is everywhere. And that is, you know, the biggest frustration. You know, I get that my iPhone can vibrate and I get that my watch can vibrate, but my iPad and my Mac can't vibrate. But you know what? just drop a notification or just continue and don't vibrate even better at that point even i you know it's like this i'm sure they've thought of this but like make the equivalent of a vibrate on the mac so you put up an alert box that that jiggles like it's vibrating and you make the vibrate sound you know that sound your phone makes just put it through the speaker and now we have a vibrate on the mac that's good enough and but yeah. what happens instead is it just breaks. It's like it. Yeah. It's like the worst of all worlds, and mm. and all this stuff is is what leads people to have trouble. And so I I really uh, that I, I'm not going to beat on this dead horse, but the that is something that I would love to see improve. I feel like it's holding up shortcuts. Yeah, and I I don't think that this is the shortcuts team fault. To be clear, I think that they're 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 doing what they can as much as they can. But you know, somebody at Apple's like, well. <laughs> You don't need to vibrate, just whatever, just ignore it. Um, and they're, I, I, I'm pretty certain they're, they're basically just being, you know, tight, you know, stuck into a corner because they, you know, they, they want everything to work. But I suspect a bunch of people at Apple aren't necessarily the sort of people who will create a shortcut and just expect it to work everywhere. Um, like they will expect to create a Mac version and an iPad version and an iPhone version. And if that's you, that's fine. Like if that's what you want to do, but that shouldn't, affect the person who doesn't really know how this works and they saw something cool in an apple keynote and so they tried it on their iphone and it worked and they sent it to their friend on their ipad or their mac and it doesn't work because then you go from like oh my god this is really cool look at this isn't this amazing to oh it broke and that's just such a swing on the pendulum. You don't want that swing. Like you don't want shortcuts to be an emotional roller coaster. You want it to be just solid and and doing what you expect it to all the time. Well, and that that's the reason I I raise the issue is it's shortcuts is shockingly powerful on the Mac. Like 
it's, we talked earlier in the episode that we're going to do a show on setups and we're going to talk about bunch and keyboard maestro, but you know what? We're also going to talk about shortcuts because mm-hmm. you can build setups with shortcuts and there's a bunch of tricks to it. And Rose and I have been playing with it and we figured it out, but it, it, this is something I never expected to be able to do with shortcuts, but you can, you can pull it off. And so that's why when you hit these just kind of illogical breaks, it, it's frustrating. And uh, what I want most of all is for shortcuts to continue to get better and more powerful. And but you have to be able to deliver it in a form that people that that aren't power automators can feel comfortable using it. And I, I feel like that that consistency is absolutely key because as soon as yeah. somebody has a problem that they you know you feel like you're wasting your time, like when I write people back and say, well, it's just not on that. And they're like, well, how was I supposed to know that? that you could just hear mm. the kind of frustration in the reply. And it's like, well, you really, there's really no way, you know, so I'm sorry. Yeah. <laughs> but the, uh, yeah. uh, so, you know, they spent like an hour trying to figure it out. And then I told them that, oh, that was just never available to you. And they feel like they wasted an hour on automation. And that, that's, that's bad. Yeah. But so, but like I said, we talked about that enough. I, I do think overall shortcuts is, making real oh, progress, yeah. getting more powerful. One thing I really feel like is the third-party development community has picked up the way I was hoping it would. It feels like we're getting shortcut support in a lot of Mac apps. Yes. Yeah, I, it really does. And honestly, like, it's like the things that work are just stable. You know, th- that might not sound like a huge thing, but trust me, it is. I have put shortcuts in the dock on my mom and my dad's Macs. Okay, so my dad has like this whole little guide of like instructions of things of like, hey, so when this keyboard shortcut isn't working in Photoshop, uh, it's probably because you updated Photoshop and it, you know, unset like one of your preferences. So here's a little guide on how to put it back together. Obviously, he is still more than welcome to call me and ask me to help him or ask me to go over and fix it for him. That's fine. But he likes to try and be independent. So I put together a shortcut that lives in his dock. It's got a question mark on it. So he clicks on the question mark and it's like, hey, what do you need help with? Do you need help with your Photoshop keyboard shortcuts? Do you need help with printing labels for Christmas cards? Um, and so on. And, um, you know, and it, it's just there. And then it just opens the file for him. Um, and that's it. It, it. it just does that. But it grabs all those things and puts them together. And whenever I need to create a new guide for him, I've got a shortcut there that will do that. Um, and, um, you know, when he wants to upload this year's or last year's photos to their Synology, it's using a shortcut. Yeah, it's okay. There's a shell script inside the shortcut, but it's using a shortcut and it works. And I just think that that is such a great place to be in now where we can put shortcuts on our relatives' machines, leave them unsupervised, and they work. Uh, because for a long time, when shortcuts updated, stuff broke. Like you would expect, no update for shortcuts, a bunch of stuff's going to be broken. I'm going to have to go in and fix it. There are still some weird quirks. We'll get to some of that on iOS because I'm having a very weird issue on iOS right now. You know, it, it's it's really, really improved. And the fact that I have multiple shortcuts in the dock on my parents' machines, um, because they are the sort of people who will go to the dock to to run an application. Um, they they aren't keyboard warriors where they'll launch everything through Spotlight or Alfred or, you know, Launch Bar or whatever. Um, but, you know, I, I've got shortcuts for them there and they work and they like them. That's that's a really great place to be. All right. Overall, on the Mac, just summing up, I, I continue to argue we're in a golden age of automation. There are tools at every level, whether you're just entering in with shortcuts or you're becoming a power keyboard maestro user or you're an Apple script, you know, 
person, whatever it is, there are solutions and they all talk to each other. I just think um, we continue to be in really great shape on the Mac for automation. Yes, definitely. And yeah, we definitely are. And you know what? It, it's it's one of those things where we're, it's only going to get better from here on out. Um, and that's all we can be excited about because, you know, nothing is breaking. You know, they they did the whole import of Automator um, workflows into shortcuts. That's still there. That's still working. But Automator is still there as well. They're being very careful with how they take things away from us um, and so on. So I'm really pleased to see, you know, how well this is doing, how stable it is. There are definitely areas for improvement, but it's doing really well. Yeah, I'm, I'm surprised Automators is still there, but, you know. Mm. Yeah, well, you know, it's it, they, they can't take it away because they love us so much, right? Yeah, and, and there's some That's actions. what I'm telling myself. <laughs> well, also, I think there's just some pieces of it that for one reason or another haven't made their way to shortcuts yet. So maybe yeah. that checklist has to get finished. This episode of The Automators is brought to you by Vitaly. For a new era of customer success productivity, get a free pair of AirPods Pro when you book a qualified meeting. Customer success teams today are facing a problem. How do they connect customer data back to their work? Vitaly changes that. It's a new kind of customer success platform, an all-in-one collaborative workspace that combines your customer data with all the capabilities you expect from today's project management and work platforms. Because it's designed for today's customer success team, that's why Vitaly operates with unparalleled efficiency, improves net revenue retention, and delivers best-in-class customer experiences. It's the solution to helping your customer success team keep a better pulse on your customers, which maximizes productivity, visibility, and collaboration. You can boost your bottom line by driving more revenue per customer with Vitaly. And if you take a qualified demo of Vitaly, get a free pair of AirPods Pro. So if you're a customer success decision maker actively seeking CS solutions, working at a B2B software as a service company with 50 to 1,000 employees, and you're willing to explore changing customer success platforms if you already have one in place, schedule your call by visiting vitaly.io slash automators and get that free pair of AirPods Pro. Once again, that's V-I-T-A-L-L-Y dot I-O slash automators for a free pair of AirPods Pro when you schedule a qualified meeting. And our thanks to Vitaly for their support of the Automators podcast and all of Relay FM. So how's the story going overall on mobile, in your opinion? I think it's doing pretty well. Um, so, you know, we were just talking about shortcuts. So let's stick with shortcuts um, because I think it's doing insanely well. That said, I do have a weird bug that I just want to mention in case you or any of our listeners have, have run into this. So I have a shortcut that runs at nine o'clock in the morning and it runs three shortcuts. Okay. So the 9 a.m. automation runs a shortcut. Okay. And then um, the that shortcut contains three shortcuts, which it runs using the run shortcuts action. When I run each of these shortcuts individually, no apps are opened, okay? And nothing changes. If I run that whole shortcut, some of the time, some of the apps will open. When I run it from the automation, 100% guaranteed, it will take over my phone and just start moving me between different apps. 
And I don't understand why, because when I run shortcuts individually, nothing opens. Um, and so I'm very confused by that. But I think that that's definitely like a weird edge case with like the the layers of automation that I've got set up there. What I should really try doing is creating three separate 9 a.m. Um, automations, like one at 9 a.m., one at 9.01, one at 9.02 maybe, and just running those and making sure that they 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 don't open apps. But aside from that sort of thing, I feel like we are in a really great place with shortcuts. I no longer see an update coming and go, oh no, all my shortcuts are going to break. Like I did have some weird issues with like widgets in the iOS 17 beta where stuff just constantly kept resetting, but that wasn't a shortcuts issue. That was a, a an iOS, an iPad OS issue. Um, so I feel like we are really in a good place and the focus mode stuff and the focus mode filters, this is where like this isn't technically shortcuts, but it definitely is shortcuts because we're getting things like now there is a music uh, focus mode filter. And the music filter is basically whether or not the stuff that you listen to contributes towards your listening history or not. Very simple. But oh my gosh, is that useful? Because it means that I can listen to the same album on repeat for eight hours while I'm working and it doesn't go into my listening history and screw up all my stats because I do tend to just listen to an album on loop that's working for my brain that day. And I feel like the way that this is bleeding out, it's not a bad thing. It's a really good thing. You know, they're taking the things that we wanted and they're making them better. They're making our automations actually automated. They're taking some of the things that we were doing with automations and building them into the operating system, like changing watch faces and stuff like that. And that's just really lovely to see. And the fact that all of this is linked together and it shortcuts underneath it's so good. And, you know, we're, we're getting things like we got an action button on the iPhone 15 Pro and Pro Max this year, which yeah. runs an intent. It's running a shortcut. Like, you know, it doesn't have to run a shortcut, but it can run a shortcut. It's right there. And that that's really amazing. Yeah, I, I feel like the biggest improvement on automation in the last few years has been what I call context automation. And mm -hmm. I'm with you on shortcuts. I think it's it's delivering the goods and, you know, shortcuts is doing exactly what it should be doing. And every year it's getting a little better, and I love that. But but increasingly, Apple is building a tool set into its mobile devices that allow you to control how much it, it notifies you and bothers you, uh, what you see and what you don't see, allowing you to work harder and more efficiently and without distraction. And you know, I, I, you know, anybody in my the Max Berkey Labs knows this is a drum I bang probably too often, but I really feel like we're on the verge of like public awareness of just how detrimental these devices can be. I think people are starting to wake up to that. Right. You know? Yeah. Um, and, and a lot of it, the discussion is around children. And I think that's probably the most important place to start because their mm -hmm. brains aren't at a level where they can even govern themselves and they get these devices and it just screws everything up. But honestly, this is an adult problem too. I mean, I just, uh, we, we were at a, a, an event recently and there was a guy there that I know and he was in the corner the whole time on his phone. I mean, not engaging. And it's like, come on, man, you know? <laughs> and um, I, I think that, that this is that's something adults face as well. And Apple is building the tool set there. And I, I feel like most people don't realize it or don't mm. want to try and turn it on. I, it, maybe we'll cover, this will be a show this year, but I, I want to talk about context automation and how, this is something you can do to help help yourself. And and what you need is there, but you just have yeah. to spend the time to set it up. It's not super difficult. 
but um, I aggressively use this stuff and uh, it makes my life better and it makes my relationship with my technology more healthy. And, and uh, I'm a big fan of contextual automation and, and I feel like Apple has really helped in that way. I, I, I don't know who is behind this at Apple or what the story is, but, but man, more of that, please. Yeah. And honestly, yeah, this is, this is just really, really useful to, to see things like this because, you know, I keep seeing people and, you know, previously, you know, like you'd see somebody's, you know, device and they, they wouldn't be using the cool new features. Um, you know, my parents are only just getting on the widgets train. I've been gently encouraging them to try out widgets, um, and so on. And my mom, once she discovered that she could have photos widget, um, you know, she was all on board. She, she loves that. Um, but, um, you know, they're, they're not the sort of people who will embrace, uh, you know, changes and so on. But, I do see a lot of people just using shortcuts. You know, it's they're not necessarily using shortcuts for like amazing, really cool things, but they're using shortcuts because like the New York Times crossword puzzle app changed its name and they couldn't like they kept like trying to like type the name of the old one in and they couldn't find it. And so they'll create a shortcut that's just called like New York Times crossword or something and it'll solve a problem. And I think you know, that that is the sort of thing like it, you know, that's not an automation that will change the world, but it will change somebody's world. And the fact that it's there and I'm seeing people using focus modes because they want different wallpaper when they're at school to when they're at home, um, you know, and they want to be able to go to their grandmother's and not have their grandmother ask about this anime character on their lock screen. So they have a family focus mode where it just changes the lock screen to like a flower or something like that. So just so they don't have to explain it to grandmother um, about, you know, what is anime and why is this not like a doodle for kids and stuff like that and and things like that. And I do think, you know, like obviously, you know, some people are using these to avoid having to talk to people about stuff that's on, you know, their phone screen. But, you know, even if they're doing it for that reason, you know, it's really nice that people have the ability to do that and it's just getting more powerful all the time. And I'm, you know, I get ideas from these folks even though they're not, you know, at the same kind of automation nerd level that I am, because they're just thinking differently. And that to me is super powerful. Agreed. Um, okay. So overall on mobile, our, how are we doing? I, I would say we're doing pretty well. Uh, you know, there's a fundamental disconnect between mobile and the Mac in the sense that the Mac is way more addressable, uh, you know, going back yeah. to our discussion of Apple script. So you don't have the same level of power. You know, it's like earlier when Rose was talking about the new text expansion tool she's trying. One of my questions was, how is it on mobile? Because text expansion isn't as easy on mobile because of the way it's locked down. And so I, I feel like automation does have a bit of a handicap in that regard on mobile. But I do think that the tools that are out there are quite useful. And if you look at it as a mobile device, I think the automation tools you need between shortcuts and some of the other things we discuss on the show are, are pretty powerful and you can certainly get, get pretty far on your own. Uh, I want to switch over to home automation because I feel like of, of these categories we've discussed today, I feel like home automation is the one that needs the most work. I feel like it's the one in the worst shape right now. We're in this matter transition, but I just from feedback we get from show listeners, I feel like this is the most vexing automation that people want to do and they have a lot of trouble getting it to work consistently. And and um, this is one that I think needs the most work. Yeah. And I th- I think this is this is one of those ones that it's going to be difficult to solve for a number of reasons. And, you know, the primary one just being money. 
Um, you know, replacing a light bulb with a smart light bulb is not going to be the same as going to like Home Depot and spending, I don't know, how much is a light bulb? Like $5 or something in the US? I, I'm i just guessing. But like, you know, if you're looking at smart light bulbs, you're looking at at least four times that price. Um, and that, that, you know, that that is a pretty steep way to like try and dip your toe in. And then when it doesn't work, that means that you're going to be really upset because you've spent a lot more money than you could have to just have the thing work the way it previously did. And maybe it doesn't even work right now because it, you know, it's not turning on automatically when the light switch turns on and so on. But I do think that there are improvements coming. You know, we saw some improvements directly inside of HomeKit with a little bit, and I do emphasize little bit of logging. Okay. You still can't find out why your lights are randomly turning on at 3 a.m., but you do have a log of when your door unlocked. Yeah. And things like that. And that is a very significant improvement. There, There's a lot of pain points still. Like, for example, favorites in HomeKit are saved on the device. Okay, so if you in your home, David, mark your um, office light bulb as a favorite, then when your wife opens it, when either of your daughters opens HomeKit, the home app, um, or the control center, guess what favorite they see? Your office light. Yeah. Even though they don't care about your office light. Things yeah. like that, that, you know, and that is a mistake. And I, I'm going to call it a mistake because I I think that it was very well intentioned, but they just didn't think about it as a more than one person lives in a home. They were thinking about it as a nerd lives in a, a tiny little studio in, in San Francisco somewhere. Um, but like that sort of mistake goes way back. And fixing that sort of thing is really difficult. But we're also seeing, you know, improvements because, uh, you know, Apple is part of Matter. Um and they're part of the people creating the matter standard. That means that there is Thread, which is another way to connect uh, devices together. Um, but that's had some pain points because if you had HomePods, that would create a Thread uh, network. And if you had Eero, <laughs> that would create a Thread network. If you had Google stuff, that would create a, a, a Thread network. And the Thread group is finally, um, uh, and this has literally just come out uh, a couple of hours before we record today, they're finally fixing it so that there should be one big, happy, meshy Thread network. Um, and that's the sort of thing that I'm really looking forward to seeing because, you know, Thread, for me, where things have been adding Thread support, matcher support, uh, specifically where, you know, devices have upgraded to add matcher support to their their hubs um, or their devices, that's meant that some of the devices that I've got, which, you know, were pretty locked down and not, I couldn't, you know, interact with them in anything but their own manufacturer apps, I can now control using Home Assistant and HomeKit. And that is really great because that means that I no longer have to pay the HomeKit premium. I'm paying a matcher premium, but it's not quite as much. Um, and so that, you know, that's pretty exciting uh, to see. And I think, you know, I think we will, um, you know, get there with this stuff. But it's definitely still at the point where, you know, uh, was it MyQ uh, last year, the, towards the end of last year, they just decided that they were going to completely and utterly block everybody's access uh, to their service unless they were using the MyQ app. Um, and so now you just can't open your garage door unless you're using their app, which is a really bad app, just to be clear. It's it's not a good app. It's it's a very bad user experience. Um so yeah, there, there are some manufacturers still going the wrong way when it comes to smart home stuff, but I think a lot of them have hopped on. The, uh, you know, matcher is good. Uh, open standards are better. Um, and let people 
be creative with this stuff because just because you think that a motion sensor should turn a light on is not necessarily true. Maybe you want the motion sensor to turn the light off. And that's something that, you know, it's becoming more and more possible to do. One of the big problems with home automation is, is the intangibles. Like, you know, well, the real problem is you are using a Wi-Fi based transmitter and your neighbor is on your exact bandwidth. So you have poor Wi-Fi and the system just can't find what it needs. And even though it looks mm-hmm. like it should work, it doesn't. But, you know, and then on Apple's side, there's a lack of transparency to tell you where the problem is. So there's a bunch of things. And the money is an issue, but I, I think it's bigger than that. I think people are, some people are saying, I'll pay four times. I don't care. I just want to automate my lights and how come it just doesn't consistently work. Like it'll work for a few days and then not work another day. And you don't know, you don't even know why. And that is a, that's a huge problem. And, and you and I kind of talk about solutions to that. Like home assistant is, gives you feedback. It tells you what what went wrong. Um, So Mm -hmm. there are ways, but you know, how many people want to set up a home assistant server and, and go that next level? Um, I, I just feel like this is an area of automation that is ripe for improvement. Um, yeah. mat- matter may be the answer. I don't know. I, we're just going to have to find out. I mean, it, it, it's certainly an attempt. I think part yes. of the problem was all these big companies all wanted to own the widget at the beginning. So yeah. it was kind of like a land grab of like, oh, you should just get Apple stuff. You should just get Google stuff or Amazon. Mm-hmm. And and they realized that's just not going to work. I think they're begrudgingly maybe all trying to get on mm-hmm. this matter standard, but, but hopefully it works. I I'll tell you in general, my home automation is pretty consistent, but it's only because I'm a nerd and I babysit it. And that's not good enough. It needs to get better and easier. And they're, they're just not there yet. Yeah. Yeah. I think, you know, as her, the uh, home assistant folks posted about uh, this, um, you know, I think it was maybe September or so of last year, the home acceptance factor, where if you're adding a device to your home, it has to work in your home. It has to look nice. It has to, you know, work the way that the people in your home expect it to work. So if you have a partner that is used to flipping the light switch off at the wall, it's still got to work that way when you replace a light. You know, it's you can't take things away from people. You have to add to it. Um, and I think that this is something that really has been like a big struggle for a long time. So when um, he, Philips Hue released uh, the little uh, devices that you can put in the wall behind your light switch so that you can still have a regular light switch, but you can have it with a Hue bulb um, so that, you know, when you flip the light switch, it will toggle the state of the Hue bulb, things like that. That is the sort of thing where this is a significant improvement because otherwise, you know, previously you'd be like taping a real light switch and telling people, please don't touch the light switch, leave it alone. The lights will turn on automatically or get out your phone and say, hey, Apple lady, turn on my lights, please. Um, and, you know, that 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 doesn't, you know, that's not a nice uh, experience. And I think, you know, the home is so difficult because everybody's home has its own unique challenges. You know, if uh, you've ever moved house, folks, and you've tried to take something with you from your old house that you thought would just work perfectly in the new house, and then you put it in the new house and you're like, huh, I know I measured this, but yet somehow it doesn't fit. It doesn't look right. Something's not quite right here. Like, you know, there is no copy paste solution for home automation. What works for one person or one family um, or one house will not necessarily work for the next one. And I think this is, you know, this is the biggest problem because there is just, you know, there's an assumption that, you know, 
you will want a motion sensor. The one who sees movement will turn on the lights. Well, guess what? I put those lights in my bedroom. I don't want the lights turning on at three o'clock in the morning because I rolled over in bed. Um, you know, I would like to stay asleep, please. Things like that. And it 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 is really tricky. But I do think that there, you know, there's improvements coming. Some stuff is getting better. Uh, some stuff is still just working very weirdly. I keep seeing um, folks with HomeKit where there's like one person who set up the HomeKit home and then there's somebody else who just half the time can't access the HomeKit home. There's just no devices in it or it just doesn't work. Um, And I'm not quite sure what's going on there, but I have told those folks to get in touch with Apple and, you know, try, you know, wiping their devices and stuff like that and, and, you know, get actual support on it. But yeah, the fact that that is still happening is problematic but I do think we're getting there with this stuff. All right, let's move on to AI. This is a topic we've not covered a lot on the automators, but I want to start incorporating it into some of our future content because I feel like there is an argument for AI and automation that that we need to make and people need to be aware of. Um, I have found it useful in the last you know six months to help me sometimes generate an Apple script or get me started on it. Other types of scripting is available to it, but more importantly, I would like to see automation further democratize automation creation. I feel like, you know, so often you need to know the secrets. You need to know, you know, what platforms this this shortcut works on. And if you don't, you get in trouble. Well, what if, you know, AI can help us with that? What are your thoughts on AI and automation right now and going forward? I mean, I think the, the, the biggest difficulty is, um, you know, it's the monkey's paw, right? You don't necessarily know what you're asking for. Um, and that's on both sides. So, you know, it's especially if it comes to like home automation. I do see this where somebody's like, hey, like I want like a, a home assistant automation to like do this thing. And then it gives them something and then like they copy paste it and it just doesn't quite work the way that they w- expected it to. And then they ask for help. And the people who actually know what they're doing in the community look at it and go, well, that's because it's like, you know, it's it's dimming something using, say, for example, a while loop. So, uh, you know, during, like turn on a timer and then, you know, every second while that timer is on, dim the lights by another 2% or something like that. Um, and that seems like a really good idea, except for the fact that there's a dim feature built in. And I think that this is, you know, this is where the difficulties come in, where keeping the the machine fed with not just like all of the updates, creative and good way to use these and training it away from the bad way to use things can be really tricky you know like i can i have you know definitely seen um folks use it to create some really awesome like little scripty things uh and they're like yeah this is amazing it does exactly what i want and then you know and i've been like that's really cool i look at the code and i'm like oof like i can see like a lot of places where this could go wrong but right now it's working fine and you know for a lot of this stuff, like just giving you like a really good place to start of, you know, here's how, you know, to get started with a script to do this or something like that. It's really great. Um, but I think it is one of those things where, um, you know, if you, for example, if you have no idea how to write a shell script, but you need a shell script for something like absolutely go ahead, ask an AI to, uh, you know, write one for you. But I think as with all things, like if you just copy paste something from the internet and it works, like that's great, but you need to 
like actually copy paste bits of it back into the internet and find out what it is and how it works. Um, you know, so, you know, what is this like JQ thing in here? Like why, like what, why is this in here? I, I just need to parse a JSON file. Oh, JQ is actually a really useful tool for parsing JSON files on the command line. Huh. And there's another one called YQ, which is great for parsing YAML files. Great. Now I know that and I can understand that a little bit. So that bit's fine. And I'll move on. Like what is RM minus RF? Why is it deleting this whole folder and everything in it? Ooh, that's a bit scary. So, you know, I think, you know, there's there's definitely a lot of really great stuff about it. So, you know, don't don't not use AI for these things. But I I do think that just like if you were to copy paste something off of Stack Overflow um, or just some random website, um, like it's worth you know, Googling some of this stuff first and reading some of the documentation, making sure that you, you have a, a a basic understanding of what's going on, just so that if something surprising happens, then it's less surprising to you and you have an idea of how to fix it. Um, so yeah, I, th- I think it's a really good, you know, it's a really nice starting place for all of these things. Um, it's not necessarily going to be the be all and end all, but you know, we'll have to see what happens there. Yeah, I totally agree. And I, I should have put that caveat in the beginning because honestly, when AI tells you something, it probably is something it got from Stack Overflow. It's not like there's a there's an actual robot inside AI that says, huh, how would I code that? No, it's just grabbing uh, from the massive library of text it's indexed. But the um, my point, I think, is, and we're not there yet, is I would like to see AI develop in a way or, or the makers of things like shortcuts um, – start to implement AI tools to help people get started with making those types of tools. Like right now there isn't a thing where you can open shortcuts and say, make me a shortcut that turns on the lights, you know, every day at sunset and then turns them off at 11 PM, you know, and then it, it builds it for you and puts the actions in that. That's the kind of thing I feel like could really help um, adoption of shortcuts. And, you know, two things would have to happen for that. Number one is, it'd have to work reliably and, and the actual shortcuts actions would need to be stable enough to consistently work. So there, there are, there are hurdles to be overcome, but I feel like that is something headed our way. And I can't imagine Apple is not experimenting with this. So there, there are rumors that shortcuts is going to get a bunch of AI in the future, but I would like to see it be involved with, with actual shortcut creation. Yeah. And I think, you know, like we can already see right now, Apple is using AI locally on our devices for the journal app. Um, So it's going through and it's looking at photos. It's looking at music that you've listened to. It's looking at your health history and going like, oh, you, so you did some exercise here. And then it will use that information to intelligently suggest a journal entry for you. And I think that this is the sort of thing where it can really excel. You know, taking some data that you've you've given it or, you know, you're passively providing it with, like you're not explicitly giving it to it and just being like, hey, here's a thing. So, you know, like when when you swipe up um, into the app switcher and it suggests an app, like because of the time of day and that you often open this app at this time of day while you're in this focus mode. That's the sort of thing that I think is becoming really powerful. Um, and I would love to see, um, you know, some, some, some more of that sort of thing um, along with integrations for custom personal automations with that. So, for example, the journal app doesn't have shortcut support. I love what they've done with it, but imagine what I could do if I had shortcut support for the journal app so that I could grab a bunch of things uh, like, you know, my time log entries from Timery 
And then, um, you know, well, you know, because I, I have those, I could then create some more tailored journal articles. As it is right now, what I'm seeing a bunch of folks doing is uh, creating these things, putting it on their clipboard and opening the journal app so they can paste yeah. it in there. But there yeah. isn't an export feature. So I'm a little wary of doing that right now, to be honest. But as it is, you know, there there's definitely areas for this stuff to really excel. And I feel like Apple's probably being smart, starting with stuff like journal and, you know, you can have do not disturb automatically turn on and things like that. That's the sort of thing where it doesn't seem like it's AI in the sense that we know, because it's not, you know, the big powerful, like, hey, I wrote you War and Peace, uh, but yeah, it's yeah. as though a macaron is, um, you know, a dating a baguette. Don't ask. Uh, I'm making up random stuff here. Um, like, it's not that, but it's there. And I think the fact that they're starting small shows that they're very aware of what happens when your device doesn't work the way you expect it to and how upsetting and frustrating and annoying that is and that they want to do this right. So I'm I'm hoping we're going to see some really cool stuff uh, come out of that. And uh, yeah, it, it, it would be really nice to just uh, find out you know what where where all this is going but as always apple reveal it in their own very good time yeah well overall gang i'd say the state of automation right now is pretty good and it's a great time to start automating if you want to if uh, uh, we try to bring you some good automation tips and useful actionable um uh, ideas every two weeks here on the automators podcast we'd love to have you join us so i want to thank our sponsors today linkedin jobs and vitally and we will see you next time Goodbye, folks.